following announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Hi, everybody. This is former WWE superstar Al Snow. And- CWN is Sean Oliver. My name is Eugene. And you are watching the Insider's Edge podcast. Now get on the train. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show here in conjunction with the WCWA Network. I am the host with the most, California in Fury, and I'm very, very excited here tonight, flying solo, and I'm going to have a good time with my guest here tonight, former WWF Tag Team Champion, member of the Harlem Knights, and of course, the very famous Men on a Mission. He is the one and only Sir Moe. Hey, man, what's going on? How you going, brother? How you doing today? Hey, man, I'm doing I'm doing really good this morning. Uh, just got up. Going to have some uh, hot cakes. <laughs> Going to shoot the breeze with you. Sounds good. I'm excited. So how's, uh, how's the pandemic there? Oh, man, we're, we're flying high. We're doing real good over here. Uh, okay. No, no problems for six months in my state. How about you? How's your state doing? Uh, my state is uh, what they consider a red zone. Uh, numbers are high. Deaths are high. Uh, uh, actually, uh, in my state, Texas here, we're probably one of the highest uh, in the country. Right. Deaths are higher, too. So. What kind of and we're just trying to get through it, man. Is there a lot of restrictions? Uh. No, not, well, you know, of course you have to wear the mask uh, when you're out in public, uh, social distancing, um, no large group gatherings, uh, restaurants and everything are open, bars and everything are open, but, you know, of course, a uh, limited number of people, you know, yeah. 10%, 25%. So uh, the biggest problem is people, people, People getting in big groups and not wearing masks. Yeah, it's kind of you know, like like going to presidential rallies. I know, right? It just seemed crazy to me that people <laughs> were still going out in droves. Yeah, yeah, but you know, um, some of those people are, are now starting to get sick. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe that'll be a wake up call. I, I pray it is, but. If not, uh, all we could do is pray for people. Absolutely, man. It's uh, it's been a tough year, um, but let's forget about the bad stuff and let's focus on the good. And the good is your career, my friend. I have spent all evening watching Harlem Nights stuff, Men on a Mission. Stuff. <laughs> I'm excited. I, I'm I'm real um, pumped up for this. Uh, and the first question, Mo, that I usually ask everybody on the show is how you first became a wrestling fan. Uh, you know, um, I don't know. I'd just be, uh, as a kid, I'd be walking, uh, the living room and, 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 and you'd see it on television, but as a kid, you don't comprehend, you don't comprehend what you're watching. But there was one time I walked to the living room and I saw this wrestler, uh, he had on like the little Mexican sombrero and he had a little puppy in his arms. And he was eating a hot dog, and he was feeding the hot dog to the puppy. And that kind of caught my eye. And uh, lo and behold, it was the mighty Igor, you wow. know, uh, uh, 
uh, it was Mighty Igor, and he was working in a program at the time with uh, Dick the Bulldog Brower. Wow, you know, and uh, that, that, that <laughs> yeah. So I mean, this those guys were back in the mid to late seventies, early eighties, and, and and that was my first experience with wrestling was. Looking on TV and catching uh, Mighty Eagle feeding the dog, uh, right. and so that that kind of caught my attention. And then every time I would see it on, I I just sit there and watch it. And I started watching uh, Dusty Rose and Rufus R. Freight Train Jones and Thunderbolt Patterson and Sweet Brown Sugar. But one of my favorite wrestlers uh, was. Uh, Sweet Ebony Diamond, which was Rocky Johnson. Ah, cool, so for, it was cool. the first time. It was the first time I saw, you know, somebody with, with, uh, you know, black wrestler look good, had the mask, do the Ali shuffle, uh, very athletic, uh, an amazing drop kick, and uh, I thought, man, that guy was like really cool, even though you know he had the mask and he was mysterious. I thought he was really cool, so. That really made me start watching it. Um, and then it became like uh, my uncle, he would have us split wood on the weekends when wrestling came to town. Yeah, And it was like, ah, oh, man, we'd like to go see it live because we'd watch it on television. But to go see it live was like, you know, I was poor. I, I, I grew up with nothing. So uh, we literally would have to drive 40 miles to the next major town to see wrestling, but we'd work all that day splitting wood and hauling hay just to make enough money to get into wrestling that night. And we'd make the drive and uh, we'd go to the events and we would always sit, you know, a $5 ticket would be in the nosebleed of the building, but, but it was just, the atmosphere was like different, you know, it was like, wow, man. I never thought at that time, that I wanted to be a professional wrestler, but that's how I was introduced to it. Right. Um, so how old would have you been around this time? Uh, so I was, you know, I was playing little league baseball. So I, I'd say I, it was around age 12, 12, 13, okay. uh, when we used to do, we used to do that. So again, like I said, at that time, it was not one of those, oh, man, when I grow up, I'm going to be a wrestler, you know, type of thing. Uh, it just kind of, really just kind of happened. Right. It just kind of happened, yeah. Right. So, I mean, you know, the years go by. You, you're a teenager. You leave school. Uh, you know, what did you do aside from wrestling? What was the first thing you did when you left school? Okay, so uh, graduated high school in 1985, and I I, I spent uh, the first semester after high school. I went to college. I went to an HBCU, and uh, walk uh, tried to walk on on the basketball team. Didn't make the team. Really didn't like the school, so I left school and I went to the military, and uh, I I got out of the military in 1988. I came home. And I, I was just bored. Right. I wasn't doing it. I was just working a job, you know. I wasn't doing anything exciting. I wanted to be a, a part of something, you know, big yeah, and uh, 
And then I thought one day I said, you know, everybody knows Ric Flair. Everybody knows Hulk Hogan. Yeah. You know, maybe I'll try wrestling. You know what I mean? Yeah. And fortunately for me, the same day I had this thought that weekend, there was a local indie show uh, in my town, and I had never, I had never seen indie wrestling up close like that. You know, and I uh, went to the show, and after the show, was talking to some of the wrestlers and uh, inquired about how you know how, how do you get into this and Gene uh, uh, and. Uh, Found out that he had a school nearby where I lived. It was probably about 15 minutes from where I lived. I, I never knew that it was a wrestling school. And uh, I talked to him, and he said, uh, he said, hey, kid, he said, uh, bring me $300. Meet me at this address on Saturday, and uh, we'll give you a tryout. And if you survive the tryout, then we'll train you. Okay. And I'm like, okay, uh, okay. <laughs> You know, the guy sounded like he's like he sounded like he's the guy at the carnival trying to talk you into taking a gun with the bad sight and shooting these ducks, you know, to try to win a prize, you know. So right. uh, I thought, okay, uh I had a pretty decent job at the time, so the money part wasn't wasn't a big deal, but I remember showing up and it was just it was this huge feel probably the size of three football fields. It was out in the middle of the woods somewhere. <laughs> and uh, he get, gave him money, and he says, okay. He said, just start running around this field. He said, and I'll tell you when to stop. Okay. And I, I'm thinking, okay, hey, how many times am I going to run around this field? You know, I didn't ask that question, but I'm thinking that. Yeah. And so I start running the field, man. I probably – I probably made it around the field about 13 times. I'm still in pretty good shape because I just got out of the military. Right. So I'm still in, in, in physical shape. I'm still in really good shape. And so I, I run around the field. He says, stop. He says, uh, he says, uh, okay, uh, now stand right here, and I want you to do these Hindu squats. Oh, you know, do the Hindu squat. Yeah. So I said, okay, how many you want me to do? He said, about 2,000. Oh. I'm thinking, you know, I, I just – I just ran around the field, and now he wants me to do 2,000 Hindu squats. So I began doing the squats, doing the squats, doing the squats. About, about 400, about 400, he made me stop. He said, that's okay, kid. He said, that's, that's enough, that's enough. He said, uh, can you, he said, can you, can you do push-ups? And I'm like, you know, I just got in the military again, just got in the military. So push-ups is part of PT. I said, yeah. He said, well, how many can you do? And I'm thinking, I could do a lot, but I'm not going to tell him that. Mm -hmm. I said, uh, I could do about 15. He goes, okay, 15 is good. He says, do one right here. He says, run down there, touch that pole, run back, <laughs> do two, run down there, touch that pole, all the way up to 15. And uh, I did it. And right at that last one, I had a complete muscle failure, you know. And uh, uh, my buddies had to come pick me up and put me in the car and take me home. But as I was leaving, he said, he said, you passed, kid. He said, you did real good. He said, you didn't quit. He said, so uh, I'll train you. It's going to cost you. He said, when you come to practice, gave me a date. 
He said, bring the first five, and it'd be $500 a month for okay. six months okay. on top of the 300 that I paid for the trial. Right. So uh, that's kind of how I got started. And then, like, two weeks after I started training, uh, Mabel shows up at the school. <laughs> and he's got to go through the same trial. And I'm telling him, I said, listen, whatever you do, just don't stop. I said, if you got to walk, walk. That's fine. It's okay. Just don't stop. So I, I uh, and I started out running with him. And I got through the half of the first, second lap. And I was like, okay, you got this, right? He's like, yeah. I'm thinking, I'm not going to do all this damn running. Hell <laughs> no. You know, I did, I did mine. You're going to do yours. And uh, so uh, he got through it. He got through it. And uh, he happened to live like four hours away. And uh, I had a three-bedroom house and uh, at the time. So uh, I invited him to move uh, up up near me and uh we became partners and we we lived together we tagged we traveled together uh for the first this was the summer 1990 and i think i moved out of the house that we were living in together in tennessee in uh 95 because i broke my leg i remember that 1990 so we lived in the same house uh for five years wow you know so that's how we were able to to uh, work out together, travel together, because we, you know we we lived in the same same house. And then uh, uh, right after Nelson and I uh, turned heel that weekend, I went home and we were training a young man in the backyard, and I broke my leg. Right. And I had to move back home uh, okay. to North Carolina, from Tennessee to North Carolina, to heal because. The, the the break was so severe that I thought my wrestling career was over. Shit. I had to have I had to have I had to have like an eight hour surgery, had a steel rod and nine screws put in my ankle. And uh and I went home to North Carolina because we we thought it was over, but it wasn't. Damn. Um I, I, I was wondering, did were you uh did you do any training with uh, Ollie and Gene Anderson and uh, Ivan Koloff? Okay, so uh, in the midst of uh, training with Gene, Gene, Gene got sick. Gene passed away. Okay. And uh, just probably another 10 miles up the road, Ivan Koloff and Bobby Fulton are the fantastic. Okay. Had a wrestling school. So we would go up there and we would train with their students. Uh, I have a couple of students and, uh, and Bobby Fulton and, and then, uh, not so far up the road was George South and the Italian stallion. Okay. They had a school and then they had a promotion that ran shows every week, uh, every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So we, we would train with their guys and we worked that we worked their shows from 90 from, from, from early 91 to 93 when we left and went to uh, the USWA in Memphis, Tennessee. So we trained under George Stallion, uh, Gene Anderson, Koloff, Manny Fernandez, the Raging Bull, and Bobby Ford. Uh, these were all different people that uh, we literally got instruction from. 
Right. Wow. What a what a what a cast of people to uh to learn from in in your early days. And I didn't realize that you had met uh Mabel uh, so early on in your journey in wrestling. Um, I wanted to uh, ask you about if you have a memory of what your first in ring wrestling match was like. Uh, so uh, my first my first match was uh. So Gene Anderson was managing this local guy named Rocky who looked just like his brother Ole. So they called him Rocky Anderson. Uh, his name was Alan Mills, and uh, he was one of my trainers. So my first match was against him. And it was it was fun. But it was the most horrifying thing I ever done in my life. <laughs> you know, to confront those people and you try to remember everything that you got to do in that ring. Yeah. First time. So it was horrifying. But I had some good trainers and, and I was, of course, I was in shape and I was an athletic person. So um, I didn't do too bad. I didn't do too bad. In fact, when I when when we finish this um, when we finish this interview, I'm gonna send you a link to that very first match. Oh, Actually, cool. it was my second match. It was my second match against uh, Jay Eagle, who was a protege of Wahoo McDaniel. Right. So I'll send you a link to that when uh, we finish this thing. Yeah. But it 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 was it was uh, it did it, it it didn't go bad. It was kind of scary, you know what I mean? But but I kind of felt like I belonged there. You know what I mean? I kind of felt like I belonged there. So well, that's cool. Um, one thing I, I was interested in hearing about is what it was like traveling with Nelson. Um, big, big man. <laughs> uh, as tall as he is wide. Um, okay. You two fitting into I mean, you're a big man too, but uh, next to him, you don't look Right, They're big, but you two in a car—that's that's uh—that's uh, an interesting situation. Well, okay, so, so, so uh, before we before we made it to WWF, we we rode around in a, a Mitsubishi Galant, and it was like like a Volkswagen Beetle. Right. Oh gosh, so. Nelson's window would always be down on the, on the passenger side, and this arm would be out the window, and then this arm would be wrapped around my head on the driver's seat like this. And I'm trying to drive. He's got his big arm on my head. And I'm trying to drive this little car, and that's what we drove in this really little car, man, for about three years, man. It was good old gas. Thank yeah. God it was it was good old gas, but there was like zero room and then you know just imagine there were times when there wasn't enough money for hotel rooms or whatever so we'd have to sleep in the car and oh, there was no letting my seat back to, you know it was sleeping on the steering wheel like oh, it was <laughs> it was it was horrible man it was horrible but Talk but we made the best we, uh, we, we we used to we used to just Laugh about just dumb shit, man. Because 
you know, we would think, man, is this what we really want to do? And then we'd look at each other and be like, hell yeah. So uh, we, we got through it. We got through it. It's you two taking on the world. That's great. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, Nelson, and Nelson was, Nelson was uh, a big guy, man. You know, he's six foot 10, about 560 pounds. Legit. And, uh, man, he had the heart of a teddy bear, man. He had the heart of a teddy bear. Such an, uh, such, such a misunderstood person, you know, because he had his own mind. He had his own way of thinking about stuff. And a lot of people didn't, didn't know him and didn't understand him. I understand. Um, And he got a bad, he, he got a bad, he got a bad, you know, reputation. Uh, he got a bad reputation, and and all it was was wasn't a bad person. He was just young. Yeah, you know, here's here's a guy what 20, 21 years old on the road wrestling guys like Bam Bam Bigelow, Undertaker, these guys, and all he's been taught was wrestling moves, technique. You know what I mean? You're learning psychology and stuff on the fly. You know, nobody ever said, hey, guys, um, if by chance, you know, you accidentally stiff somebody or somebody gets hurt, if by chance this happens, make sure, no matter what, you let that person know that it was a legit accident, that you're indeed seriously sorry. You know, and 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 you try to make sure that you take care of that person until they're able to get back, you know, to to normal, or whatever. Yeah. Nobody ever taught that. That was never part of wrestling training. You know, yeah. wrestling training is fall on your back, flip here and jump there, and it's never okay. So you're gonna get in the dressing room and. Guys are gonna shit in your bag, oh, God. and when that happens, this is how you handle that situation. You don't blow up, you don't get mad, you don't throw a temper tantrum and start ranting and raving. You just act like it never happened and take your bag and you leave and you clean out your bag when you get away from the building and act like it never happened. Because right. if you act like it, you never put it over. They'll 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 stop. They won't do it of course. because they'll realize it, it's a waste. It, then they'll they'll want to keep doing it. <laughs> exactly. Nobody taught us that in wrestling school in the eighties, nineties. They didn't teach you that. We teach it now in, in my school. We teach all of that stuff. You know, I mean, but nobody taught us that. Right. No, you know, nobody taught us that. I mean, imagine. I'm your trainer, right? right? And I say to you, you got a job at WWF. When you get there, mind your own business, stay in your own corner, stay out of everybody's way. Do your job, get dressed, go home. Right. Sound simple enough? Definitely. Okay. So Nelson and I have a contract. These, th- Those are what we were told to do. So we come in, speak to everybody, find out who we're working, go work, come back, thank them, get dressed, speak to everybody, 
out the door. Did that for the first three weeks. Yeah. On the fourth week, we show up at the building. Vince pulls us into the office and fires us. What? We got fired. What for? Everybody in the locker room is afraid of us because <laughs> we don't we don't associate with anybody. We don't communicate with anybody, and everybody's like, "Well, you know, those guys don't talk. We don't know nothing about them. We're afraid of them, and we're not gonna work them." Jesus. <laughs> so we get fired. You see what I mean? Yeah. Something that simple. Anyway, so uh, Oscar, in his infinite wisdom, says to Vince, "Well." Um, why not, you know, since we're having a company meeting, it's a TV taping, why not we introduce ourselves again to everybody and then just, you know, explain. So right after that, every night, we'd go hang out with the boys, drinking and whatever, yeah, being cool with the boys, and everything was smooth <laughs> sailing after that. <laughs> Very cool, man. You see, they didn't teach us that in wrestling school, bro. Um, you know what I mean? It's the it's these little things. Of course. Um, I wanted to uh, scale back a little bit and uh, talk about your initial run as the Harlem Knights in uh, Pro Wrestling Federation in the Carolinas. Um, tell me a little bit about that experience. So, so, so back in the day, the only way you know about wrestling shows were the Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine. Yeah, you'd go through the magazine and they have like a list of the promotions and where they were and the phone numbers to call. So we found we found the PWF and we found out that they were having a show in Kings Mountain, North Carolina. Right. So we show up at the show. We show up early and they're setting up the ring. And uh, Nelson and I go in, and we ask to speak to the promoter. This is the Italian Stallion and George Sal. So uh, we meet Stallion, walk in, we meet him, we give him our promo pictures. We say we're looking for work. And Stallion's like, it's like, okay, guys, sure, we'll give you a trial. So what you got to do is you got to go back out that door right there. Go all the way back around to the front of the building. And when and about 6.30, they'll open the door to start letting people in. You got to buy you a ticket. And then you come on in. And so Italian Stallion made us leave the building, stand outside in the hot sun for about an hour, buy a ticket. Before he would allow us in the building, and then and uh, from that night, uh, that was like the summer of '91 until February of '93. We worked every show that they had, you know. Right and uh, George South, George South helped us. George South helped us put together our tag team stuff, combination right. drop toe hole leg drop. Double elbow, double elbow drop, uh, finisher, you know, all of those things George South helped us with. And it was George South that told us to go to Memphis, Tennessee. That's what you we had always say. SWA? 
if you, yes, he says, if you guys ever want to make it, go to Memphis, brother. Go to Memphis. That's where it all starts in Memphis. And uh, we were working uh, uh, in West Virginia at a firehouse one weekend. It was like three feet of snow on the ground. And we had never asked for money. Now, we we worked for these guys for like two years. We had never asked for money. And uh, we asked for money that night. And uh, Staddy gave us five bucks. Oh, We're like eight hours away from home. He gave us five bucks. We're like, he don't appreciate, you know, what we've done for them as far as the growth of the company. And yeah. so we... Uh, we left there that Saturday. We came home the next Thursday. We drove to Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, uh, slept in the car. Saturday morning, woke up, uh, went inside TV5, met Jeff Jarrett and his daddy, Jerry. Uh, luckily for us, the Harris twins, uh, Ron and Don Harris, yep. or the Jacob and Eli Blue, whatever you want to call them, uh, had quit the week before, and they needed another big tag team to work the Moon Dogs. And so when they saw us come in the door, they said, "Well, we'll give you guys a tryout." And so the next night, Jonesboro, Arkansas, Mister Jared gave us a tryout, and uh, he came in there and he hired us. Cool. I saw some. Uh, so the very next. Yeah, so the very next week, we uh, worked uh, a six-man squash match, and then we, we worked the program. Me, Nelson, and Brian Christopher, Grandmaster Sexe, worked against Jerry Lawler, Jeff Jarrett, and Danny Davis. Right. So that's, that's, that, that was our first program at USWA against Jeff, Jerry, and Danny Davis. Wow, so thrown right in there with the top names of the uh, territory. Yeah, so it started out. That's 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 where it started, and they went from Jeff and Jerry and Danny to Jeff, Jarrett, and Boss Man. Yep. Because then, because Lawler went to Raw, so it went from Jeff Jarrett to Boss Man, and then from Boss Man to Jeff to the Moon Dogs, and then one of the Moon Dogs left. And they didn't have another tag team for us to work. And so uh, Mr. Jarrett came to us one night. I wanted to say we were in Evansville, Indiana. And uh, he said, hey, guys, uh, I'm going to need you guys to take the summer off and come back in the fall. Right. And uh, we had nowhere to go because we had moved from North Carolina to Tennessee. And we were staying in a hotel. You know, so we didn't have nowhere to go. And Brian Christopher, uh, Brian Christopher knew that. And so when Mr. Jarrett told us that, Brian Christopher was like, nah, man, you can't do that to these guys, man. Uh, they don't have anywhere to go. They moved here. And uh, Mr. Jarrett was like, oh, well, I didn't know you guys had moved here. Uh, he says, uh, tell you what, uh, call me on Monday, and I'll have you a trial with WWF or a job with WCW. Okay. It's just like that. Wow. Tryout or a job. And uh, Monday morning, we woke up, phone ringing, and it was J.J. Dillon with WWF, and we get on the phone. And we're thinking of some kind of rib or something, you know, but 
uh, for a tryout, whatever. And we flew up Tuesday. Uh, we did Portland, Portland, Maine, and Worcester, Massachusetts. Tried out, and then a week later, they flew us back to uh, New York. Limo picked us up at the airport, drove us up to Stanford, sat down in the boardroom. Vince McMahon was handed a contract. Told us what our uh, team name was going to be. This is when we met Oscar. Right. We met Oscar at the same time. They, I mean, we, we didn't know who he was. And uh, they gave us a contract and they said, look it over, sign it. As soon as you look it over, sign it, uh, you guys receive your paycheck every Friday uh, until we're ready for you guys to go on the road. In the meantime, just go back and work at USWA until, you know, that was. We went to USWA for uh, February of 93. We signed a contract to Vince in April of 93. And we didn't go to work until September. All right. So that, that summer we worked at USWA and, and some indie stuff until September. And then that's when uh, we went to work full time. Right. So, so what did you think when they finally pitched to you this idea of being men on a mission and being baby faces as opposed to your heel run as the Harlem Knights uh, and okay. as your rapping manager. Uh, what did you <laughs> <do>? <laughs> okay. So, so the, the first night on the tryout, uh, they said, we want you guys to be baby faces. Uh, no, no, no. The first night on the tryout, they said, be yourselves. We're going to play some run DMC. Okay. Y'all just go out, you know, and do your thing. So the first night we went out, we did our thing to the rap music. Uh, we come to the back. Everybody was like, wow, okay, cool. Next night, uh, they said, we're going to do the same thing, rap music. But this time, we want you guys to be happy. We want you to be baby facing. Just go out and have fun. So, you know, we're rocking and all that stuff the second night. We come back. J.J. Uh, uh, Dillon pulls us to the side. Uh, we're going to fly you guys up next week. We're going to have a conversation. So when we get to the airport there in New York, Oscar's already in the limousine. So when we get in the limousine, we meet Oscar, and they tell us, you know, hey, this guy right here is going to be your manager. I mean, Nelson's looking around like, you know, who who the freak is this guy? You know what I mean? Like, who is this dude? We don't know this dude, you know. And we kind of particular too, man. Like, we don't know this guy. We don't know what kind of baggage he brings with him or whatever, you know. And uh so we uh we get to the office and we sit down at the uh desk and we all introduce ourselves and then we find out that Vince had met Oscar earlier that year at WrestleMania nine in Las Vegas yeah. in the, uh, in the elevator and, uh, Oscar was a freestyle rapper and did a freestyle rap. And that's how they found him. So we're sitting there at the table and Vince comes in, sits down, introduces himself, says, uh, all right, guys, says we talked this over. We pitched a few things. And this is what I came up with. He said, you three guys are going to be brothers from Harlem, New York. Uh, raised in the ghetto and wrestling was y'all's way out. Uh, you two guys, you're going to be called Oscar. You're going to be called Mo, and you're going to be called Mabel. M-O-M, Mo, Oscar, Mabel, men on a mission. 
That's <laughs> what we're going to call you. Yeah. And uh, Nelson folds his arms like this, leans back into the chair. He goes, come on, man. I finally get my big break, and you're going to give me a girl's name? And Vince goes, <laughs> and Vince goes, ha, 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 ha. He said, all right, big guy. He says, you ever heard that song, A Girl Called Sue, A Boy Called Sue, yeah. something like that? Yeah. And uh, Nelson said, yeah. I don't know if he'd heard that song or not, but Nelson said, yeah. He said, that's the point. He says, when the world is picking on your two little brothers right here, and then they say, Mabel, help us. And the people that are picking on them say, Mabel? <laughs> What's the girl's name? And then they look around and they're like, you're Mabel? <laughs> yeah. See the point? Yeah. So it, he went with it. You know, he wasn't happy with it in the beginning, but, you know, he, you know, after Vince explained it, he kind of he got with it. So it was all good, man. I didn't. I didn't mind the name change. I didn't really care. I. I was just. I looked at it from a standpoint of, you know, thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. You know what I mean. So I didn't even care about. I didn't even care about the money part of it. It was just thank. You know, thanks for a shot. You know. You must have been excited to call back home and and let everyone know what was going on. Uh no. You know what? I didn't call at all. I I just we did the vignettes, the weekly vignettes. Yeah. We did those vignettes. I didn't call them at all. I just let people see the vignettes. Right, cool. <laughs> Instead of me calling and saying, Hey, check this out, this is going on, I would just say I would just call and say, Hey, watch television. Ah, cool. And I'd let them see the vignettes. <laughs> you know, so uh and there were several people that um we tried to talk to come along with us. And it was like, ah, nah, man, we're not going to do that fake shit. You know, we're not. I was like, okay. But then when they saw the VNS, they're like, oh, man, y'all ran off and left us. No. Oh, right. <laughs> we didn't leave you. We we invited you to come along. You just wouldn't come. <laughs> um, the next part I wanted to bring up was a, a very interesting situation. I'm sure you spoke about it many times before, but a little bit into your run as a tag team. You're a you're in a working a live event in uh, over in England, and uh, lo and behold, at the end of the match, you two end up walking out as the tag team champions. I'd like you to clear up any sort of misconceptions on what that happened that night, and let the world know how Men on a Mission became the WWF World Tag <laughs> Team Champions. You want the true story, or do you want the rumors? <laughs> I want the true story. Okay. So, rumor has it, <laughs> rumor has it that somewhere, somewhere near the end of the match, Mabel tripped and fell and landed on Jacques Rougeau and couldn't get up, and the ref counted three, and men on the mission won the tag belts. Right. That's the rumors. The fact of the matter is, that men on the mission were supposed to win those tag team belts. And we didn't know how long we were going to keep them or whatever, but it was not by accident. It, really? it was, it was, no, it was not by accident as the rumors would have. It was, it definitely was not by accident. 
accident. And and that wasn't the only time that we were supposed to um, win those tag bets. I remember having uh, a number of conversations with J.J. Dillon uh, about, you know, the direction of Men on a Mission. And um, sometimes when, when you have a, a, a team member that's injury-prone, uh, it's kind of hard to do something for the team because, you know, when an injury happens, um, it changes the whole story of, of where, where they want to go with the team. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. So, so you lose opportunities because of different things, injuries, uh, suspensions, things of that nature. Uh, you lose a, a lot of opportunities. So we lost right. a, lot, a lot of opportunities because of those things. I see. Um, because I was reading the Wikipedia article and it said that it was an accident. So I'm going to go and uh, edit the Wikipedia article because I have an account on there uh, and state that you dispute this and that you guys were meant to win the titles that day in England. Uh <laughs> What we was, were. What was the reason behind dropping them a few days later? Was that always the plan? That that was the plan. Um, that was the plan. Um, like, I'm, 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 I'm. I'm 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 an honest person. Yes. So I I'll put it to you like this. Okay. I put it to you like this. In the United States right now, in a lot of states in the United States, uh the use of marijuana is legal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Through the nineties, there was nowhere in the United States where marijuana use was legal. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Vince McMahon had a drug policy. If you failed a drug test for marijuana use, the first time it was a fine of a thousand dollars. Right. And each time after that, it went a thousand, three thousand, six thousand, nine, so on, so on, and so forth, until you got to a threshold, and then it became a uh, uh, suspension. Yeah, you know, eight weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, what have you, right? Yeah. So JJ comes to you and says, "Hey guys, I'd love to do something. We'd love to do something with you, but we can't do something with you if." If a member of this team is going to get suspended for six to eight weeks, right? So, uh, I don't drink. I don't smoke. Uh, I drink tea. I drink Mountain Dew. I drink Pepsi. Uh, back then, to hang out with the boys, you know, hang out with Undertaker. You had to drink Jack Daniels or whatever. But a lot of a lot of the people on the roster 
smoke weed, marijuana, what have you. I wasn't one of those. Yeah. That's not to say that one third of the men on the mission posse <laughs> didn't like to smoke marijuana. Right. And because one third like to smoke marijuana, sometimes you run into that situation where you're either going to get fined or you're going to find yourself getting suspended. Yeah. Now, if you find yourself getting suspended, there's not a whole lot that can be done with you, right? right. Prime example, Shawn Michaels got suspended for failing a drug test, right? When Shawn Michaels got suspended for failing a drug test, the Intercontinental Belt went on Scott Hall. Yeah. Shawn Michaels comes back, right? Yeah. He and Scott Hall wrestle at WrestleMania for the Intercontinental Belt in a ladder match. Yeah. Okay? Okay. So that probably would have never happened had Shawn Michaels not gotten suspended. Right, okay, yeah. Right, so, unfortunately, in in the case where it comes to tag teams or what have you, if one person gets suspended, the single individual is not going to carry a tag team belt. Yeah. So, therefore, if you have a habit of smoking, <laughs> and getting fined or suspended, it's going to be very difficult to say, okay, we're going to do a program with you guys against these guys, but we can't put the belts on you because one-third of your members <laughs> likes to smoke, Yeah, and you know the outcome of smoking. Right? Yeah. So, in, in a nutshell, that stunted a push. Yeah. That 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 kind of put the brakes on a lot of stuff. Right. I'm not blaming I'm I'm not, in other words, I'm not I'm not throwing stones because it was it was it was everybody was doing it. Everybody back then was smoking weed or doing something, had some kind of you know problem. Yeah, and that's what you led know, to them making you guys drop the belts back pretty soon after. Okay, <laughs> that's the answer. Right, that's cool. truthfulness of it. I try not. I, 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 that's the first time ever I really just told that story because I don't want anybody trying to make it seem like I'm trying to no. bury any any member of my team. But the truth has got to come out, man, because everybody thinks that we were just some big fat clumsy guys that danced around in purple outfits. And had no talent, and that's not true. That's that's yeah. totally that's that's a hundred percent not true. You know what I mean? Everybody tries. Everybody, yeah. Everybody tries to make it seem like you know we had no talent, no ability, no draw power, and that's not true. And it's and it's even worse when you when you look at the King Mabel run. They they make it sound even worse, and they and and. Somebody, I saw, I saw your Jim tag Cornette. team debut. I, I watched that earlier tonight, and I was like, "Wow, these yeah. guys are athletic for their size." And see, see Mabel doing his spin kick and his drop kick, and you coming off right. the rope. I'm like, these guys are fantastic. Uh, and 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 the 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 part that people 
uh, outside of the circle don't don't get they don't see is all of the backstage politics mm-hmm. that prevents you from being as good as you can be. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I, I remember Vince McMahon saying, look, guys, um, the fans decide how big you, you, you become, <laughs> how big of stars you become. The fans decide. He said, we, we, we can't decide that. The fans decide. And in the beginning, I, I believe that, right? Yeah. I, I, I truly believe that. But here, here's what you can look at. Here's what you look at, right? Go back and look at those videos and just watch the fan reaction when, whenever we come out, right? They were there. Look at the fans' reaction. If you can find the video, look at the fans' reaction when we first came out and performed uh, in uh, Manhattan at the Manhattan Center on Monday Night Raw. Okay. Look at the reaction of the people in that building. Now, you take that reaction of the people in that building, and from there, you put pyro, you put more video. You put a crow, you put a hearse, you, you put the police, you put a jail cell, you put all kinds of crazy stuff behind that and tell me we, we couldn't have been big stars. Absolutely. Politics aside, po- politics aside, we couldn't be big stars. And that, that King Mabel run that King Mabel run could have been like, yeah, business was bad because Vince was going through the steroid trial and all that stuff. Business was bad. I get that. But Nelson Steele legitimately could have been WWE champion. Absolutely. And we will get to that. We will get to that. We're very close, <laughs> but uh, I don't want to get there yet. I want to talk about okay. uh, I want to talk about WrestleMania 10 against the Quebecers. Okay. Um, this must have been a pretty special evening for you guys to uh, perform at a WrestleMania for the first time. That is probably one of the best WrestleManias of all time as well. Uh, and a great match with the, the Quebecers. Uh, you know, tell me about your, your first WrestleMania experience. Oh, uh, man, it was... Uh... It was a long week because we, it was, I think it was the first time they did WrestleMania access. So it was it was a long week, a lot of personal appearances and all that stuff. But we we had we had such a great following, man. We 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 had such a great following, and we had we had a really really good match worked out that we we were that that we were going to present to the crowd. Um, the sad part about it is when you perform at a big events like that, everything is on time. Everything is yeah. based on time. You get, you know, they tell you, you've got 22 minutes, right? And when it's time to go, because the ladder match went over 15 minutes, right? 
and the Bret Hart and the Owen Hart match went over time, everybody else's time gets slashed. Yeah. You know, they didn't even have that 10-man tag match at the end at all exactly. on that show. Yeah. Okay. So everybody's time gets cut, you know. So we were told we had 22 minutes. On the way out the curtain, they told us we had 12. So now we got to cut a 22-minute match down to a 12-minute match. And then while we're out there at about seven and a half, they tell us to go home. Ah, fucking hell. You, you want us to pull out a five-star match in eight minutes. Yeah. And try to get all six people involved in that over. You know what I mean? I think for the amount of time that they gave us, I think I think we were able to pull off, you know, an entertaining match. You know what I mean? I think I think we were able to pull off an entertaining match. And then, you know, politics have it. Politics have it, you know. Uh we win by DQ. Yeah. You know, so, uh, but I enjoyed it. Nelson enjoyed it. The payoff was really nice, you know, and uh, I, I, it was my one and only WrestleMania that I participated in. But I can say I participated in WrestleMania at Madison Square Garden. Huge. That's huge. You know? So, I can't. I can't complain. Absolutely. I can't complain. Um, I've also read that um, you you were injured in a match with Owen Hart on uh, May first episode of Wrestling Challenge. Um, what happened there, and um, what was the fallout from that? <laughs> you know this this uh, that question is. Where the term urban legend comes from, right? Right, okay. So this is this is what happened. So during the WrestleMania Revenge Tour, right after the whole belt win and drop thing in England, we yep. went on to Israel from there. So while in Israel uh, one of the nights in Israel, Nelson Mabel gets sick and is sent back to the hospital. I mean, to the hotel. Yeah, we're working the uh, we're working we're working the head shrinkers at the time, and uh, the agent comes along and says, "Hey, um, Mo, you're gonna work Sammy." Uh, Samu in a singles match because we sent Nelson back to the hotel because he fell out. He's sick. So I'm standing there and me and Sammy having conversations about a match. Fatu is is pacing the room. He's upset. He's pissed off because he's not working because Nelson had to go back to the hotel. Shawn Michaels comes out of the shower. Hits me in the back. As hard as he can, 
and I and I stop and I look at him and I said, you know, the operative word is excuse me. And he looks at me and he goes, fuck that. Fuck excuse me. He says, you young guys come over here. You don't have any work ethic and you expect everything to be given to you. And I'm like, man, what are you talking about? I, I'm confused. You just assaulted me. Now you try to tell me I, I, I don't work. And I get my ass beat 22 minutes a night every night. And I'm standing right here trying to work. I, I'm, I'm confused. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He was like, I'm talking about your fat-ass partner. And I was like, what about him? Well, his fat ass don't do nothing anyway. He could have walked out to the ring and stood ringside and let you do the work like you do every night. And then everybody would be in the ring working, getting a payoff. So he's talking about we would have still had the tag match. And Nelson had just sucked up being sick and went to the ring, stood on the side sick, and puked his guts out, you know, right, just so, okay. So I had that fallout with Shawn Michaels. I almost get into a fight with him. When I get back to the States, it's a King of the Ring, supposedly a King of the Ring qualifying match against Owen Hart. The, the goal is, okay, we're going to put Mo out for six weeks. All right. So go to the top, top rope, hit the, the guardrail, hurt my knee, can't continue. Owen comes out, throws me back into the ring, puts me in the sharpshooter to further injure the knee. I'm gone. So I'm off television for nine months. So I'm off television for nine months. Uh, I don't work any shows for nine months, but I got to go to every single one. Right. And I don't get paid for working. <laughs> so I get started for nine months because I got assaulted. Yeah. Spoke up for myself. And this is what happens. So I get I get punished. Oh, cruel. So that's what it was. It wasn't I, I didn't get injured. It was just political bullshit. Right. right? And the urban legend of it is is I was watching I came up with this name because I was watching this video about the the click. Right? And at the end of the video, it said uh the reason everybody was afraid of the click or didn't get what they want was because unlike the click, nobody would stand up for themselves. And I, in my infinite wisdom, said, bullshit. I stood up to fucking the leader of the click to me at the time was Shawn Michaels. And I stood up and I told that son of a bitch, if he puts his hands on me again, I'm going to beat the fuck out of him. Yeah, and that's what happened. I come back to the states. I get punished for nine months. Fuck, that's really cruel. So, so that 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 is that is the urban legend. The urban legend is I stood up to his ass because he assaulted me, and I didn't deserve it, and I got punished for it. And that stuck with me, man. It stuck with me, man. Every, even after I left there, because in the, that time period that I was suspended. I got so depressed that I, I attempted suicide. Yeah. So it, 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 it stuck with me. It fucked with me for a long time. 
and I I just recently got over it. I mean, I'm 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 talking about within the last three or four years. This happened in '94. Fuck. So I just recently got over it. I did. I do realize. I realized what he. I realized the message, the point that he was trying to. I realized what he was saying about, you know, hey, if you can make it to the ring, go to the ring, do the work, whatever. You know, I get that. I I realized that point. It was his method of delivering the message yeah. or, or trying to teach the young guys that message. It was his yeah. method. And, you know, maybe if he had done it to somebody like a Candido or somebody like that that would have just took it, would have took that abuse. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, <laughs> Sean did do a few he just, things to Candido. Well, yeah, well, I, I, I was, I was witness to that too. But and that was, that was my, that was my point. My point is, you know, he picked on the wrong person. Yeah, and I got punished for it because he picked on the wrong person. I stood up for myself, and I got punished for it. And 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 still to this day, I feel like I'm, I'm getting punished because, you know, I haven't been invited back for, you know. Any 25th anniversaries, 100 episodes of Raw, or none of that stuff. I've not been on an alumni page or none of that stuff on the website. I mean, there's people, man, that have literally sued the company. I've never said anything bad about the company. I've always, if I've always had anything negative to say about that situation. Yeah. All right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but if you if you look at the website, I'm not on the alumni page. I'm not on the where are they now page. And dude, I've I've lived, I've done nothing but community service work since I left there. Nothing but positive shit. Yeah, you think <laughs> those guys out there, man, huh? You think they'll be saying that they would want to promote? Right. I've done nothing but positive shit, man. I mean, but, you know, um, I mean, I don't hope I'm over it now as far as that Shawn Michaels situation go. And I know he's always going to be, you know, the the company darling or whatever. And I, I'll probably never be anything other than who I am right now. Probably, you know, never get recognized for anything. And that's fine. Like I said, I'm over that part of it, man. But I I gave Vince McMahon a hundred and fifteen percent of everything yeah. that I had, man. Every night, every single night, bro. Every night, and there's a part of me, and I don't know to at what. I guess I'll hold this last part out and, and wait and see where this goes, but it. it I just say we didn't get what we deserve as a team. As a team. Um, yeah, I agree, bro. And I'm sorry to hear about all that. Um, That's all right. I, uh, I want let's 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 turn things a little bit more positive. Uh, Owen Hart. That's gonna be difficult. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. Being in the same company as Owen Hart. 
uh-huh. I, I, I wanted to know if you had any stories of Owen Hart. We, we want to make a little compilation video of every guest that was uh, somebody that knew Owen. Do you have any stories of uh, maybe a rib that he pulled or, or any moment where uh, Owen might have made you laugh? Oh. Uh. My, my only, my only, uh, you know, I was, I wasn't really privy to any of his ribs. You know, he was, oh, was a super nice guy. And, uh, we used to sit around and we used to talk, we used to mostly talk about his son, Oge, you know, how proud he was of his son, uh, how much he loved Arthur, uh, Martha, um, I remember when I was going through the thing uh, with uh, Sean. Uh, he was he was the one person that um, would tell me, "Man, just just hold your head up, man. It's, you know what I mean. You're a good worker. You're a good guy. You know it'll blow over, or whatever." The last conversation I had with Owen was. A few months before he passed away, uh, I, I I had a, a wrestling school in, in uh, Tennessee, and they came through Nashville. It was a uh, was a house show, and uh, this is what's weird about it is they would always if if they had a house show or something nearby, I could always call them up and say, "Hey, can I come?" bring a student and be in a opening dark match. And they would always say, yeah, they were, it was so weird. You know, they wouldn't put me on the alumni page. I didn't get invited to none of this stuff, but they would always say yeah to that stuff, you know, or even today wanting tickets or something for an event. It's always, you know, so like I said, I've never, I never said anything negative towards the company, any negative, comments I ever made was toward Joe. But this particular night, I went and worked uh, one of my students in a dark match in Nashville. When I came out of the ring, Owen was standing there. He was like, man, you still got it. And uh, I said, man, I ain't never going to lose it. He's like, bro, he was like, man, come up to uh, Louisville tomorrow night. They was having a pay-per-view or something. He's like, come up to Louisville tomorrow night. And I was like, uh, what for? He's like, man, come on up there, man. I'll, I'll talk to somebody. You need to be working. You know, and he invited me to come up, and I was like, my pride wouldn't let me. Right. My pride wouldn't let me. And then uh, a few months later, he was gone. Right. You know, the one person that was always a friend and always you know, try to get me to try to go get that one last opportunity, and I didn't do it. You know what I mean? And a few months later, he was gone. And that's that's the one thing that I remember is that when I was at my worst and thought I was done, he assured me in a conversation that I was not, and I just needed to try. Yeah. You know, and then then I woke up and he was gone. One day, you know, so that 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 is my memory. That that is my memory. Uh, the ribs and stuff. I I was never privy to 
you know, ever seen him rib anybody or anything like that. I just knew that he was a super nice guy, and uh, he uh, he opened my eyes up. And, and and by the time I opened them, it was too late. I understand. You know what I mean? You know, it, it was too late. And so uh, that 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 is one thing that I'm always grateful for that friendship. And and uh, to this day, me and Brett Harder are, are very close. Cool. His brother Brett, you know, uh, the night the thing happened with Sean, Brett was the first person to pull me to the side and say, hey, you didn't do anything wrong, but you got to fix this. And I'm like, fix it? He's like, yeah. He said, you got to pull Sean to the side. You got to apologize. Tell him you didn't mean no disrespect. And I'm complex at this point, like, you know, I didn't do anything wrong, but I got where he was coming from, and I did it. I pulled him to the side, pulled him into the shower. I told him, hey, man, I apologize. I didn't mean no disrespect. And you know what his response was? Oh, I- Fuck you. Fuck you. They walked out. <sighs> yeah, so I, I tried, bro. <laughs> I tried. And as much as you try to, as, as much as you try to go to, Happier stuff, it always comes back to, back to that moment. You know what I mean? So, but but I miss Owen, man. I miss Owen. I appreciate you telling the story of Owen. It really hit me in the feels. Really hit me right there. So um, I appreciate that. Um, Not a problem. I wanted to talk about the uh, the heel turn of Men on a Mission, uh, which led to Oscar leaving the WWF. Uh, during your feud with the smoking guns. Um, what did you think of um, Oscar ended up ending up leaving and all this stuff and, and the idea of the heel turn at, at first? Okay, so, so so this this here gets into um, another one of those people tell one story but they don't know the real story. Okay. So I'm going okay. to edit this Wikipedia article extensively, I think. <laughs> so so this this is a real story. So we were having a conversation earlier about uh, the tag team thing and, you know, the, the smoking of the marijuana and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So it's uh, Royal Rumble 95. I think we're in Orlando, Florida. Uh, I've been suspended now. I've been I've been off of television, not suspended, but off television nine months. This is back to the bad stuff. This is how we got here. Right. Okay. Okay. So Nelson and I are sitting there in the hotel room, and we're like, "Man, screw this!" Because they're not doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm off television. They're not doing anything, and they got Nelson doing singles matches with people, and it's not going anywhere. You know. Uh, we we were supposed we we we. We 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 had had a conversation with somebody in WCW, and 
uh, we were going to leave. So we made up our decision. We were going to go to the building, talk to Vince, and tell him we were going to leave. And so at this time, Vince has got an open-door policy. Right. You know what I mean? If, if you catch him and you say, hey, Vince, we'd like to talk, uh, he would talk to you. And uh, so uh, we're sitting there, and Nelson's like, yeah, man, let's just do it, man. They're not doing anything. They got you off TV. I'm not, you're not making any money. I'm starving. I'm not making any money, bro. I think my taxable income that year was $14,000. I'm a WWE superstar. And my taxable income is $14,000. You know, so I'm starving. And uh, so we sit there and Nelson said, you know what, man? He's like, uh, he said, smoke some of this with me. And I was like, man, you know I don't smoke weed. He's like, nah, man, come on, man, come on, man. We're leaving anyway. It don't matter, you know. And I said, okay, what the heck, right? So you smoke weed. And we get to the building. And the minute we walk into the building, there's a sign on the wall that says, drug test today. <laughs> and we're like, oh, crap. <laughs> I guess we I guess we gotta go through with this now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because if we take that drug test, we're done. Anyway, it would have been my first time anyway. I would have paid a thousand dollar fine, but it probably would have been like the thirtieth time for Nelson. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so so we see Vince, we call Vince into his office, and we say, you know, Vince, first thing we want to do is thank you for the opportunity. You know, uh, we really uh, appreciate everything that you've done for us to try to do. But uh, we think we want to go and do something different. And Vince kind of leans back into his chair and he goes, because guys, is there any particular reason why you want to leave? And and Nelson's like, yeah, Vince, I mean, you're not doing anything with us. You got Mo sitting on the sideline for nine months. Probably because of the Shawn Michaels thing. And Vince is like, what's Shawn Michaels thing? <sighs> See? You, you felt that too, didn't you? Fucking hell, bullshit. You felt that too, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. <I> uh-huh. <laughs> you, that's exactly how we reacted when he said that. Like, come on. you got to be kidding me, right? You're, you're not going to see him, you know. And uh, and so we just kind of briefly explained. He's like, well, I didn't have no knowledge of that. I didn't know anything about it. You know what I mean? Wow. So so uh, Vince, uh, Vince was like, well, you know, says you guys are still young. Uh, this this is 95. So I'm just I'm just I haven't turned 28 yet. I haven't turned 28 yet. And Nelson still isn't old enough to drive a rental car. Right, you know, I think I'm like seven years older than him, so I'm I'm 27. He's just turning 20, 21, and uh, Vince is like, "You guys are still young, still got your legs about you." He said, uh, "I don't want you guys to leave." He said, "You know, how can how what can we do?" And Nelson's like, "Well, first thing we got to do is we got to get Mo back to working." You know, and Vince was like, "Yeah, yeah, okay, that's no problem." Said. Uh, so how about this? How about um, tomorrow at TV, 
we flip you guys. We flip you guys heels tomorrow at TV and uh, put you guys back together as a tag team. And then we put you guys against the uh, Smoking Guns at WrestleMania 11 and put the tag belts on. Okay, sounds promising. That was a deal. Sounds pretty good. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay, okay. That sounds good. That's enough for us to say, okay, we'll stay. Yeah. Right? Right. Everything's good. Everything's good. Leave there. Uh, don't go take the test. Anticipate <laughs> in the rumble. Anticipate in the rumble. Next night, uh, we get to the building, and uh, Vince is standing there, and he sees us, and he, he calls us. Uh, uh, what's going on? He, so he calls us, sits down in the chair, and he said, uh, he said, guys, he said, first let me let me apologize. He said, because I misspoke. He said, uh, I know I told you guys that I wanted to do the turn and put y'all against smoking guns at WrestleMania 11. And uh, he said, but I'd forgotten that I had promised Owen Hart a push when he came back from vacation. So this is when they put Owen with Yoko, and Owen right. and Yoko beat the smoking guns at WrestleMania 11. Okay. So we did the turn. We softened them up the week before. When we, when we beat them down and we beat Oscar down yeah, to go on to face Yoko and Owen. Right. In return, our deal was Nelson would win the King of the Ring. Okay. They would put me back, put me back on TV with Nelson. We do some tag stuff, lean to that. And uh, Yoko and Owen we're supposed to go into a program with the Allied Powers. Yeah. Lex and Bulldog. Lex and Bulldog get the tag belts. Then later that year, we take the tag belts from Lex and Bulldog. Right. Now, we done set all this up. We done had the tag match with Lex and Bulldog. The week before it's supposed to air on television, Lex shows up at Nitro in Minnesota. <laughs> really? Oh my God, this is such a roller coaster. <laughs> okay. So that angle is killed. So now what we have to do is to get out of that story, put Bulldog with me and Nelson, put Bulldog with me and Nelson, put Bulldog in a tag match with Kevin Nash against me and Nelson, and have Bulldog turn on Nash. Right. So, thus tie Bulldog with us, killing the whole men on a mission, allied powers thing. Squash yeah. that. So, that tag team thing is not going to happen. But Nelson gets to run as the king of the ring and he gets the title match. So, uh, you'll hear other stories like, like Vince just threw something against the wall and that's how Mabel ended up getting the King of the Ring run. That's not how it happened. That was right. part of that was that was a deal he made to keep us there. You know, because of the other deal that he had to break to keep put Yoko and Owen together. Right, because the, the the story always is um, 
Vince had a hard on for big guys, and Mabel was going to be his next big guy. So that's not yeah, that that's not what happened. To keep you guys in the company. Yeah, that that's right. And the the part about Oscar leaving was, uh, Oscar and Nelson never really got along. You know, and because he came from a world outside of wrestling, Oscar didn't he didn't conform to the wrestling politics. You know what I mean? And so it caused problems. So when we made the turn, Vince said that uh Nelson said to Vince, he's like, look, uh I don't think Oscar's gonna be safe. We turn heel because he likes to go off on his own. And we've already seen the Steiner brothers and so many of the other guys tape him to a urinal, beat him with a, you know, beat him, cover him with shaving cream, all this abusive stuff to him. So we told Vince we didn't think we could protect him because he didn't listen to us. And so that's when the, the decision was made to jump Oscar too to get us more heat. And then he can go off and do some other stuff if he wants to. So, so that's what happened to Oscar. Okay, because I was reading, oh, he he didn't like the idea of you guys all turning heel, so he wanted to leave wrestling and the business because of that. Man, your Wikipedia article needs serious updating with <laughs> everything that we're covering here tonight uh, or today. Your time. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's uh it's it's so false, man. It, you know, everybody seemed to have an opinion on something, and they don't know that they they they. They know what they see, but they don't know the backstory. They don't know yeah. the, the behind the door dealings, and they don't get the full story. And I'm not like I said. The only thing here that I'm 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 glazing over is the excessive marijuana use, you know. Uh, but everything else, and when I say that is, I I don't want anybody to think that I'm trying to bury my partner, but. You know, everybody used marijuana. It was just a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know that that was just one of the things. I'm not saying that my my situation with Shawn Michaels didn't affect anything. I'm not saying that. Uh, I, I'm saying that that was a situation that was totally out of my control. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but if you ask me something about what happened with Men on a Mission. I'm gonna tell you. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna glaze over. I'm not gonna try to make it sound like we were the greatest thing since sliced bread. Or man, the proof is in the pudding. You know, look at the debut match. Look at just just look at the, all the stuff that we did, and say to yourself, if we if we were allowed to slide down the top of the building by a steel cable. Or we got Goldberg Pyro, or all the extra stuff. Where would we be? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, imagine, imagine Matt, imagine Jeff Hardy, right? Take he's a hell of an athlete. I, I'm not this. This is not a knock on Jeff. I'm just saying, take away that music is beautiful. His music take away the. 
the the glitter and the the yeah. the power the extra power and all that stuff. You take a take away some of that stuff from a lot of guys, man. And what do you got? You still gonna have something special in Jeff and Matt. I'm not I'm not knocking them. I'm just talking about all the extra stuff that people the get. Presentation, yeah. Yeah, that we didn't get. You know what I mean? We got the rap part. You know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll give you an example. You remember Aldo Montoya? Yes. The Man of War? Yes. When he debuted? Yeah. He had the spinning pyro things. Yeah. <laughs> His presentation, he had the spinning pyro thing. All we had was music and three guys coming down to the ring dancing to Oscar with a microphone. Turn the lights down. Give us some flashing lights and like we got at WrestleMania. You know what I mean? Do yeah. that every night. Absolutely. Make the presentation that every night. You know, don't just make us out to be three fat-ass guys that they have no talent <laughs> and a horrible rapper. <laughs> but, but, the gimmick was so horrible, right? How many gimmicks are on the program right now that's very fucking similar? I agree, yeah. Too cool? Yeah. Uh, initially, when they first started, everybody thought that New Day was just another Men on the Mission gimmick. Absolutely. You know? I hardly see the comparison there. Right? Uh, look at look at uh, look at the uh, street profits. Yeah. Um, everybody's coming out of rap music now. And you guys were the first. So yeah. don't, don't say we were trendsetters. <laughs> don't say we were trendsetters, right? Absolutely. But what do we get? Three fat ass guys that had a horrible gimmick that was just fucking stupid. That is how people describe, you know. Well, fuck those people. Fuck them. Like, you honestly, I mean? like you guys were tremendous at what you did. And earlier today, I watched the WrestleMania 10 rap that you guys did, and I thought it was absolutely entertaining. You know, and so it just, man, how funny was that Survivor Series match, man? With the doink. Yeah. And, and <laughs> bro, here's what's funny about it. We didn't even know we was in Survivor Series. We show up at the building, and they say, go to makeup. And we go to makeup, and they paint us up like clowns and say, okay, you guys are going to go do this match. The fuck? But we got to make it entertaining. And you guys had to wear clown faces. Who else? <laughs> Did we frown? Nope. We just went out there and had fun with it, man. With the bushwhackers. You know what I mean? It, it, it would probably go down in history as one of the funniest, dumbest, clownest, gimmickiest. The only thing worse than that match in the history of WWE probably would be the gobbledygooker. <laughs> Coming out of the fucking egg or whatever. Heck you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, or yeah. But you know, but we we did we did, you know, and but we get no no respect for it, man. We get no respect for it, and all I hear is 
is people negative. Nelson hurt this person. Nelson hurt that person. Yeah, Nelson made mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, people got hurt. Mistakes you know happen. I mean? It's 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 people not ballet. People people get hurt now. Yep. You know what I mean? People people get people get hurt now. You know, uh, I mean, how many people have been hurt at the hands of Nia Jax? Several, several. But but I don't think she, she doesn't to get, her. and she doesn't get buried. I'm not buried because like, I like her. She doesn't get vilified like Nelson did. Right, I, I company, like her. The fans I, actually kind of vilify her quite a lot, but the company don't seem to uh, punish her the way that they did to Nelson. Right, right, right. So I just, I don't know, bro. I just, well, you um, know, I. I, I, I want to ask you about the King of the Ring and, and the moment that he yeah. won and. I mean, I know a lot of shit's gone down during this time period, but yeah, do you guys celebrate afterward? You know, Mabel's now getting this push. You're back on television. Your your heels. You know, are you, are you excited about this, or is there still this underlying thing going on, bro? It is. It is, let's just get through this. Oh, right. Okay. You know what I mean? You didn't think we're, this we're, was going to actually lead to something really meaningful. You thought, let's just get through this and when it's done, let's about, get out of here. About the, I want to say about the, the month before SummerSlam, about the month before SummerSlam. Yeah. So they they've um, they've um, Bill Watts is booking. I don't yeah. know if you know who Bill Watts is. I do. Yeah. Bill Watts is Bill Watts is booking. So we're in somewhere in Michigan. <laughs> somewhere in Michigan. I don't even remember, but we're somewhere in Michigan. And we get to the venue, and the, and they want to talk about what we're going to do with this TV taping. And uh, we're going into this meeting, and as, I, as I'm walking in the door, Bill Watts tells me to stay outside. Uh, said, he's like, you, you, don't, you don't have to be a part of this. Uh, you know, you're expendable anyway, like that. Yeah. And I want to say, you cocksucker. You know what I mean? Like, dude, you know, you know how hard I work? You know, that that was my first thought, but I just blew it off and I went to JJ and JJ was like, that was so unprofessional. Really need to tell Vince about that, you know? I never told Vince about it. I just let it go. I just, in my mind, I wrote Bill Watts, cocksucker. I always remember that in my mind. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't last uh, much longer so, yeah, <laughs> and uh, but anyway, so um, when they was coming up, when they was coming up with finish, and in my mind, in my mind, I thought Nelson should have beat Kevin Nash. 
and have him change. Right. Yes. Because I think I think it would have made Kevin stronger. But Wash was like, uh, no, Kevin needs a slayer dragon. No, Kevin needs a slayer dragon. That after has the dragon bait him after the dragon bait him right behind the guy to because no one wants to see a guy always save the girl from the train tracks all the time. He has to have like he has to fight back from something, he can't just right. Run. That's why it gets boring with baby face champions, right? That's why business <laughs> is shit. <laughs> That's but that's what Watch said. Watch is like he's got to slay a dragon. I'm like, okay, when the dragon slays somebody that was really important, then you need to slay the dragon. When the dragon flies over the town and fucking burns up all the little kitties that's playing out in the fields with the sheep, now we got to figure out a way to kill the fucking dragon. The dragon hasn't killed anybody the yet. The dragon needs he to kill wanted, someone in order to beat the just, dragon. <laughs> right. He hasn't killed anybody. Right? Savio Vega, one month into the company. That's who he beat. Right. Not a, nothing against Savio Vega, but he'd only been there a month or so. Like, and, and, but, but who was he? Right? Yeah. And, and, and Sean, Sean and whomever got DQ, so... Yeah, of course. I mean, so so, yeah, so Mark, he didn't have to put up a Mabel. Yeah, I mean, of course. Right, but I mean, Mark, Mark Mark got beat, but who helped? Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So he didn't just beat Mark. He, I mean, he beat him, but he had help. Yeah. You see what I mean? So... Here's this dragon, and all he's done is squash people along the way. And the only person that he beat of any significance was in a tag match, me and him against Scott Hall and Savio Vega. He pinned Scott Hall. Right. <laughs> where, where, where is the, where, where's the beef at that he fucking killed for the champion to have to kill him? Yeah. Wouldn't it have meant more if he won the title, Kevin beat him, then he went into that program against Undertaker leading into the coffin match. Yeah. Than to get beat at SummerSlam and then coldly go into a program against Undertaker well, he, at that, that ends point, in a coffin match. At that point, it doesn't mean as much. So when Undertaker beats him, that doesn't mean as much. It didn't mean business shit. This is not being done, is it? It didn't mean shit. You know, Kevin Nash beat him with a fucking forearm off the second rope. You think Undertaker, big boot, fall into a damn coffin? Was 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 a draw? Was was a big thing? No, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure Mark would have wanted something special, something more meaningful to do. Yeah. You know, but so so post anyway, this, uh, post this uh feud with Undertaker. Did you both give you notice? Uh no. Okay. No. What led you guys to leaving 
the WWF. Post is after? Yeah, post after. Yeah. That's after. Uh no, we just quit. So here's what happened. If that's what if that's what this final question is about about you guys, yeah. Okay, so it was uh, Royal Rumble '96, and we know we already know that if we don't give our notice in January, our contract rolls over in June. We don't give our notice in January that um, it's going to roll over, and we're going to be stuck there for another year. Right. Uh, I don't think at this time we're thinking leaving. I don't think at this time we're thinking leaving. We're just right now. We're just kind of in this day. We just we just got beat in the coffin match, and then the very next night after the coffin match, we come out on Raw and Kevin Nash beats Nelson again in four seconds. <laughs> Ouch, yeah. Yeah, four seconds. Beats Nelson in four seconds, power power bombs me, and we're out. And that's where they turn him back into the monster. Right. Because he's lost the – I think he's lost the belt at this point. Yeah. He done lost the belt at this point. So, uh, it's a Royal Rumble 96 – and there's a spot in there. I can't find it, but you might go in there and find it. There's a spot in there where Nelson splashes Henry Godwin somewhere close to the ropes. Yeah. When we get back to the dressing room, I'm in one dressing room. There's this big commotion going on in the other dressing room. And I walk in there, and Nelson and the Undertaker nose and nose. And the Undertaker's going off, telling them, you know, you're 500 pounds. You can't just be dropping all that fucking weight on people and blah, 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 blah. J.J. Dillon comes in, separates them, tells me and Nelson to go into the other dressing room. So we go in the other dressing room and Nelson's like, yo, man, screw this shit, man. Let's go. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, let's go home. I'm like, you sure? He's like, yeah, man. You know, screw this, man. Uh, you know, because, you know, it, they're just giving him a hell, bro. You know, he's a young kid. He's trying to work, you know. Instead of instead of somebody sitting down and saying, look, man, you guys have a lot of potential, but Nelson, we, we really need to work on, you know, how you splash people or, you know what I mean? Or don't do that move. It, for you, it's dangerous. Don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You don't need to do that. You're safer doing a leg drop than you are doing a splash on somebody. Yeah. Because a leg drop, you can bend your leg and you can you you've not hurt anybody doing a leg drop, period. Yeah. Uh but instead is he almost get into a fight with the top guy, the Undertaker. How do you come back from that, bro? You don't. I mean, think about it. You, you think about it. Think about. You don't. In you don't come boys, back from that. In front of the boys, it's. You don't. Yeah. You don't. You're. You're. You. So. 
So we go home. We're in San Jose. We drive to L.A. We catch a red eye home to Nashville, Tennessee. We get home. Next day, phone rings. It's J.J. Dillon. Wants to know where we are. We told him we came home. He's like, man, what about TV? He's like, man, we just, we think it's time we just leave, man. You just tell Vince we want our release. And J.J. was like, uh, okay. He's like, I'll call you back. So he gets on the phone. A few hours later, he calls us back. He said, Vince says, okay, uh, just put it in writing. Get it notarized and send it to the office. Yeah. Uh, so we type it up, get it notarized, send it certified mail to the office. Uh, a few weeks later, we get our release. Of course, you know, it's got the non-compete clause with it, so we can't do anything until June the 12th. Yeah. Uh, and we forfeit five months' pay. Uh, that's due to us. Yeah, that's bullshit. Including that last Royal Rumble check. That's not fair. So, still work the show. Uh, you know, so uh, that's what happened. We quit, bro. Right. We didn't get fired. We didn't get fired. We we walked out and we quit. Because it was just, it was too much, man. And from there, uh, you go back to the USWA and... Uh, so so from there, so from there, uh, we go back to USWA and they want us to work each other. So that's when you join the uh, inaugural version of the Nation of Domination. With PG-13 and Farouk and... A whole bunch of guys uh, down there. Tracy Smothers. Yeah. That's where that started. Right. That's where that started. How did you feel? So that's about, how that began. Uh, how did you feel about working that angle against him? You know, after all this time? Uh, uh, I think that uh, it was good. It, it could have been good could, because we, we, we loved and we trusted each other. And we could, we, we, in our matches that we did have, we done some really good stuff together. But they only allowed us to do one or two matches. Right. And then they killed it. And they killed it. Why is that? You see. I mean, this is a pretty I don't long, long journey tag team that you would think yeah. would be a big angle. And then they, they just killed it, man. And... Uh, so uh, USWA had this one town called Cookville, Tennessee, that they did on Sunday afternoon. So I moved to that town, and USWA was shutting down their TV in that area. So I moved to that town, got with the TV station there, and I started a school, and I did my own television show there in that town. It's called Southern Extreme Wrestling. So and basically, that's all I've done, man, since I left there in 96, was train people and do my own thing. I just, because I, yeah, I would have liked to have gotten invited back to some of those shows. I would like to be on the alumni page. I would like to have a story, you know, uh, on the website, you know, where are they now? Yeah. Sure, I would like that. You know what I mean? But 
But but if they don't feel like my body of work was deserving of that, then I'm fine not being there. Well, I think they have people that are in those sections that did a lot less, so you know, and uh, like I find it appalling that somebody like Medusa can quit your company, drop a belt in the trash can, you know, on national television. And then go on the and make it to and make it to the <laughs> Hall of Fame and get all these second, third chances. Somebody like Sable can sue you for ten million dollars. You settle out of court and can come back and work. You know, and other things. But here's a guy that came up there, gave a hundred and fifteen percent of himself. Every single night, every single night, never got in trouble with the company, never did anything outside of the company to, to embarrass the company. You know what I'm saying? Never said anything negative about the company, but can't even get a mention on the alumni page. Vince McMahon has no clue that after Royal Rumble 95, we went home. Four days later, we went home. And we were in my backyard teaching the kid how to take a bump on one of our rings. And I broke my leg. I had like a nine-hour surgery, a rod and nine screws placed in that leg. This is January, mind you. Well, actually, it's March the 1st. And WrestleMania 11, go back and check the date, 1995. Check the date of when WrestleMania 11 was, right? I had my surgery March. I had my surgery March the 1st, 1995. And the date of WrestleMania 11 was the 2nd of April, 1995. WrestleMania 11, yeah. I was there. I was there. April, April, uh, the day after, which was Monday Night Raw, there was a TV taping. I was there. The day after that, there was a Superstars taping. I worked that taping with a broke fucking leg. I ate after March the 1st of breaking my leg with a rod. And nine screws in that leg. I never missed a day. Even with a broken leg, I went to work. That's one month later. That's, that's I went it. to work, bro. Yeah. I went to work. I, I went wanna, to work. I want to ask you about the nation of domination. Um, how do you how do you feel uh, it gets brought to TV in the WWF? We kind of hopeful that you would also be along for the journey. I know PG thirteen came along. I know um, a few others that were in that USWA version. You know, I, I was I was hoping, I was hoping, but you know, there again, it goes back to that whole. It's the same thing again. Yeah, yeah that I felt like that that was you know that was it. You know, 
once that I felt like once that happened, and then I I, I would say that I didn't help matters by talking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. But truthfully, man, you shouldn't get punished. You shouldn't get punished for speaking about being mistreated. For, for, for such a long time as well, for, you know, it's just, it seems a little bit overzealous that it's, that they that went that far with it. I mean, what is, it, <laughs> what's wrong with dude, some people? It happened in 1994. And still getting punished for it till today. It's 1994. No, 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 no fucking alumni page. No, where are they now? No, nothing. Nothing, bro. Uh, was, was WCW ever on the cards after this point in time? Did you ever try and call Okay, so, so let me tell you this. So when we left in 96... The plan was to go to WCW. There was conversations about going to WCW. And but we couldn't show up there before June the 12th, 1996. Yeah. Right? So when you get a chance, <laughs> go back and look at when the debut of Sky Hall and Kevin Nash was a Monday night nitro. In 1996. Okay. <laughs> because that's that's when the conversations change. So they signed these guys. You guys were having conversations to join. And do you feel like they stopped you from coming along? All I know is what happened was the day our contract expired, we called up. And we're told it's not that we're not interested. It's not right now. Right. We're not interested right now. So the sunning everyone else under the sun at the time, though. So I, I think I think that Scott Hall and Kevin Nash arrived sometime around when our contracts expired. I may be wrong. I may be totally wrong it's, about it's, that. It's, it sounds right. Um, I think I may be totally wrong about that, but uh, from my recollection, it was somewhere close. Uh, so you spent a lot of time on the uh, independent circuit during this time. Um I know you 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 work a final match with Nelson in Memphis in two thousand three, I believe. Yeah, I uh, uh when I, when I left there, honestly, man, I didn't work. I worked. I worked one indie company. Uh, in New York, I think that was NEW in New York. I worked for Brian Ober, uh, Brian something in New York. I worked uh, two matches against 
I think. Bam Bam? Or it was it? No, no. I think I, I took Bam Bam's spot and I worked two matches against uh, Dork the Clown. Yeah. Uh, and then I think I worked. I probably, in the time that I've been away, I probably worked maybe five or six indie shows. And then the rest of it's been me training people and running my own shows. Okay. Yeah, so I, I didn't I didn't do a whole lot of indie stuff. Like Nelson and I was supposed <laughs> Nelson and I was supposed to go to Puerto Rico together. Started in uh, uh, December of '95, but I didn't I didn't go. And he made some trips to Japan, but I didn't go. I, at this point, man, I didn't trust working for anybody else. I just yeah. wanted to do my own thing so I could. I can have a clear head about what I'm doing, and I don't have to worry about the politics and the bull, bull crap, you know. So, yeah, at this point, so um, for so for the last four years, me and my girlfriends run this company here in Dallas, Texas, called Soul Championship Wrestling, and then we got Bumps and Bruises Pro Wrestling Academy. We got two schools, one here in Texas and one in Arkansas. So I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I, that's not to say that I, I still don't feel bad about, you know, not being on the alumni page or anything like that. I just, yeah, I just feel like I did. I don't, I don't, I don't get the respect that, that's due me. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Well, you, you get that respect from me. In, in in the most isolated city in the world, Perth, Western Australia, you have that respect from me. I hope you know that. I appreciate it, man. Uh, um, I was talking to somebody. Yeah, I was talking to somebody about uh, doing a school over there. Yeah, in Australia, before the uh, before the COVID hits, right? Yeah, I was. Let's see. Uh, I was trying to see. Yeah, I was. I, I was just trying to look up that date. Okay. But you'll find it. But I guarantee you, somewhere close to uh, June the twelfth, nineteen ninety-six, somewhere in that area, uh, when they showed up. Because once they showed up, that put the kibosh on me and Nelson going. All right. Um. So, um, tell me about the final match that you had. It was. Uh, I think it was 2006, maybe, or uh, was it was it intended to be your retirement match? Uh, you know what? Uh, I don't remember. Well, no, because my my I, I I my last actual wrestling match 
The last time I was actually in the ring yeah. was March of this year. Of this year, really? Okay. Yeah, I went and did a I went and did a uh six man tag in Florida for CCW. Okay. Yeah, it was March of this year. It was okay. March of this year. Prior to that, prior to that, I, I tagged with my new tag team partner in February. Yeah. So so what slowed me down, what slowed me down in 2010, I got diagnosed with kidney failure. Yeah. So I went on dialysis in 2010. So I do dialysis three days a week and then I'd go wrestle on the weekend. All right. So uh in March of 2018, I got a transplant. Yeah. So so I went from March 2018 until February of 2020, and I didn't wrestle at all. But then February, a month from my two-year anniversary, I had that tag match. And uh, the month of my two-year anniversary, I went to Florida, and I had that six-man uh, match. Right. So that was this year. Oh, cool. So, so that, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that was your last match yet. No, because uh, unless I get a substitute and just don't feel like it, I'm going to wrestle again December the 12th in Memphis, Tennessee. Awesome. You know, I, awesome. You know so I, I, ain't, I ain't hung them up yet. What would Not be quite your, yet. What would be your, your ideal situation to hang it up? What would be the, the, the best final match you could have? Um... Well, you know, with Nelson not being with Nelson not being here, um, I don't really know. With Nelson not being here, I haven't really thought about it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Denise, could you, wait a minute. Uh, yeah, could you do me a favor? I have not taken my medication this morning. And my arm is swelling. Anyway, uh where is it? It should be back there. Um I guess one I have one of my students is gonna become the uh champion of my company yep. next month. I think maybe do do a last match with him. Sometime next year, and then I'll be done. I always try to, I always try to uh, work them and and give them a shot of being in the ring with me before uh, I send them out to uh, go conquer the world. So that's about it. Okay. Um, To to all your fans, the minimum mission fans, the the Harlem Knight fans, what do you hope your legacy is to them? Um, so here's here's what here's what our fans should know that we strive to be one of the best big men tag teams ever in this business. And because we both came from backgrounds of poverty, 
we want everybody of every race to know, especially kids, young kids, to know that there's not a situation in the world that you can't overcome and beat because we've gone through them all. We, we, we've gone through all the adversities, you know what I mean? All you have to do is keep your wits about you, stay calm, be patient, and think everything through. Think it from the beginning to the middle to, to what the possible outcome can be before you, before you make a decision about where you want to go with each situation. You know, some things are just going to be out of your control, and those things that are out of your control, you can't worry about. You only worry about those things that you can't control. I can't control what Shawn Michaels did no more than I control how he thinks or how the business thinks. You know what I mean? Yeah. All I can do is control how I live now. Yeah. You know, and right now, uh, my goal is to save a million children. And that's what I've been working on. That's what I've been doing uh, for the last 10 or 12 years, trying to save children. So that's what I want to be remembered for. Hey, the guy was a wrestler. He was a nice guy, whatever, but he loved children. Good, man. Good. Um, before I get to a segment called Five Second Frenzy, where we just get to learn a little bit more about you, Mo. Um, uh-huh. I just want you to give, have the chance to plug anything and everything that you're doing, your school, your promotion. What's going on in your world? Well, let me tell you. So uh, uh, I am a owner in three separate promotions. The main one is Soar Championship Wrestling here in Dallas, Texas, along with Denise Jones. Uh, she's a she's a marine. Uh, we've had this promotion for four years. Uh, just started another promotion with my friend Jason Maldonado in uh, Four City, Arkansas. It's called Chaotic Kingdom Wrestling. Uh, and I'm reviving I'm, I'm reviving a promotion that started. Hey guys, so that was our interview exclusive interview with the one and only Mo from Men on a Mission. Um, Unfortunately, at that point in time, Mo's uh, power cut out and it was out for the rest of the night. And we only had about five minutes to go for the interview. Um, I don't want to bother him about getting those last five minutes done. So I figured it's a good point at this point in time to um, just wrap it up there. And I want to thank Mo for his time on the show. And I hope Mo is proud of everything he accomplished in wrestling, despite how he may feel about how things went for him and Nelson during their time in the WWE and what happened with him in his career afterward. So again, thank you to Mo. And I want to thank everyone out there for watching the WCWA Network and listening to the WCWA Network on all the podcasting platforms out there. And we will see you guys next time. Thank you.